I'm Harlan Landis, and today on Adulting, Miranda Marquette and I discuss healthy adult meal planning. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquette. Hi. Hi. So today we're going to talk about eating less crap. That's right. (laughs) I'm sure we all need to eat less crap. I know I need to eat less crap. I've gotten a little bit healthier over the last, uh, throughout this year. So I'm happy about that. It's it's costing me, though. It's costing me (laughs) in terms of money. But we we can talk about that in a little bit. So um, there was some news recently all about... uh, about uh, the World Health Organization. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Right. So the World Health Organization put out this study that does indicate that processed meat can cause cancer. And it's not really causing cancer so much as increasing your risk of cancer. And this was really sensational and people went crazy and, oh my gosh, the bacon's going to kill you. Now, um, now this, this, <laughs> none, none of what they said was new news. I mean, they're just right. looking at studies that have been done on a, on a broad basis and bringing, bringing the attention to it to the world, um, you know, because perhaps the smaller studies, you know, individually didn't get as much attention. Right. Yes. And so... Uh, basically what, what they're saying is if you had an extra, if you had 50 grams of bacon a day for the rest of your life, then your, your cancer risk would increase by 18%. They had, uh, and and it's specific types of cancer, right? It's colorectal, colorectal and, and uh, maybe pancreatic or something. Yes. Yes to temper that is everybody was freaking out and going crazy and sensationalizing this. And even though this report came out and they said that processed meats are classified as carcinogens by the world health organization. If you go to the site, um, do we swear on this podcast? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If you go to the site, iflscience.com, you you will see that this information is also balanced out by there are some health benefits associated with eating uh, red meat, particularly on unprocessed red meat, which is it's a valuable source of protein, iron, zinc, and vitamin B12. The key seems to be moderation. As Professor Tim Key said from the charity uh, Cancer Research UK, as reported on iflscience.com, It says, this decision doesn't mean you need to stop eating any red and processed meat. But if you eat lots of it, you may want to think about cutting down. Eating a bacon bap every once in a while isn't going to do much harm. Having a healthy diet is all about moderation. And I think that's the thing we need to take away from here. So yes, if you're going to load up on bacon and sausage and hot dogs, then you're going to increase your risk of cancer. And not just your risk of cancer, you're going to increase your health risk of just about everything out there. Mm. Let's be real. So I think the moderation is the key here and what you need to start thinking about when you start thinking about eating less crap. Moderation is kind of a broad way to look at this. Is there something specific in terms of how much you you, you can eat without it 
negatively affecting your health risks? I think one of the things that they said was, you know, 50 grams of bacon. And that's not very much. <laughs> per <laughs> week, saying, per month? What does that mean? Per day. Per, per day. day. Okay. 50 grams of bacon per day is what's going to is what's gonna kill you if you do it every day. And and that's just increasing your cancer risk by 18%. And it's, it is hard to define moderation. It is hard to define. We'd like, we'd like to be able to be like pinpoint exactly what you need to do. But the problem that you run into is one, it's really hard to do that because uh, we are always seeing new studies about the healthiness of different foods. We're always seeing new information about what's going to kill you or what's not going to kill you. I mean, think about what they used to say about eggs and cholesterol, right? Right. I remember this back in the 80s. They were like, don't eat the eggs. It's going to kill you. But then they found out more information. They learned more about cholesterol and how uh, HDL versus LDL and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, maybe eating some eggs aren't, isn't going to kill you after all. So can, can we go back? Because I want to talk about these numbers, first of all, because I think they're very misleading. You said that the risk for certain types of cancer is increased by 18%. Right. And just to put that into some context, that doesn't mean that your risk is 18% that you're going to um, suffer from this particular cancer. Now, if your risk is defined, if you're, if the overall risk is defined as a 1% risk, an 18% increase in risk means that your risk will now be 1.18%. Right. Now, I think it's important to put all of this into perspective here, that there's a very small risk to start off with, and then increasing that risk by 18% is still a very small amount. It's it's good to have some perspective here in terms of what we're really talking about, which is why, yes, I mean, you know, you combine this with other risks and the, with uh, other risky behaviors, and they all combine to 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 make your risk uh, higher. But when we talk about what the risks actually are, it's good to be very clear what we mean when we say, you know, risk increased by 18%. It doesn't mean that risk was 1% before, and now it's 19% because it increased by 18. That's not how right. it works. It was If it was 1% before, and I'm not sure that, that that's the case for this type of cancer, but it, it might be, then it's 1.18% now, which is not, not as, I don't know, is it as deserving as the attention that it's getting? Or is, or is every little thing that, you know, take, 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 take it with everything that we do, which has a risk to it, you know, put it all together. And, you know, it kind of makes sense as that. But when you take a look at this as, as one particular aspect, you know, maybe it's not such a big deal. All of this stuff, you kind of have to take it with the, uh, you know, grain of salt and really think about what it means to you in your life. And does it mean that you have to, like, stop doing something altogether? Well, no. And does it mean that you're you're going to die if you eat some processed meat on occasion? Well, no. But if you're engaging in unhealthy eating behaviors, whether it's eating red meat, whether it's eating sugar all the time, whatever it is, it's going to impact your health overall. And that's just sort of the way it is. And But I think trying to reduce it down to like exact numbers makes it difficult, one. And two, I just think that we have a hard time thinking that way. Just like what your example was, you know, people are automatically going, oh, well, you know, you add it 1% to 18% and oh my gosh, now it's 19%. That's not how it works. And I think we get caught up in this, this whole frenzy and in the headlines because it's a sexy headline, right? right. Stop eating bacon or you'll die. It's a sexy headline. 
And I think when we're talking about eating healthy, we need to step away from the sexy headlines and try for a little bit more common sense. Yeah, I think common sense is really the key to it. Um, Everything that we've kind of learned over the years in terms of well-balanced, I think, applies. And then you have uh, news once in a while that seems to contradict, contradict earlier news and people telling you that, oh, what we thought was healthy for you before is not as healthy. These little shifts are normal as we learn more uh, about, you know, as as science teaches us more about the human body. I mean, we still don't know everything. Um, uh, You know, I think it's good to just keep a bigger perspective on all of nutrition so that you're just making good choices on a daily basis instead of, you know, following every new news article to figure out what what the latest health scare is going to be. Exactly. And I think what you need to go back to is your basic rules of thumb, things that we actually know and things that haven't really changed in the last 50, 100 years, 30 years, whatever. And that those basic rules of thumb are focus more on vegetables, eat fruits. If you're going to eat whole grain, if you're going to eat breads, focus on whole grains and look at lean proteins and try and avoid things that are overly processed. Those are just basic rules of thumb that really haven't changed much. No matter how much we learn about the human body, vegetables are still things that we should be eating. No matter how much we learn about science, fruits are still things that we should be eating. Whole grains and then limited limited lean proteins. These are all things that haven't changed in the last few years. But some things have changed. We, we seem to have more sensitivities and allergies to different foods now. Um so that that has to come into play when it uh, when, when when we all talk about um, you know this this balanced diet, including veggies, fruits, whole grains. You know, there there are people who are even allergic to fruit, um, so they've got to find what they get from fruit somewhere else. Yeah, and that's something to think about too: is what are you getting from fruit, and where can you get it someplace else? And. and you know, and are you allergic to all fruit or just specific kinds of fruit? Right. Because I'm allergic to celery. I can't, I, I cannot have celery unless it's basically been cooked to mush. And it's, I mean, celery is practically useless anyway. And what a weird thing to be allergic to. But if I eat a celery stick, then my tongue swells up. But I can eat just about any other vegetable. So part of it is looking at it and saying, well, if I can't eat an apple, can I eat an orange? To, to, to bring this into being an adult, what, what, what's the difference between, you know, an adult style of meal planning versus, you know, someone who's not quite, you know, who hasn't made that, made that jump and still eats like a kid? <laughs> well, I mean, when you're an adult, I, the meal planning, I think, is, is that's what it is, is you actually think seriously about what you're going to eat and why you're eating it rather than just wandering to the fridge and saying, well, what's what's here right now? And then just eating whatever is there or whatever crackers you have sitting in the cupboard. An adult style of it looks at looking ahead and saying, what am I going to eat? Is it going to be healthy for me and promote the lifestyle that I'm trying to uh, adjust to? And can I plan ahead so that I have what I need to make the food that I'm going to make? I think that's probably the line that you're drawing there is you're no longer just like going to go to the store and run, walk down the aisles and just grab what looks good. Hey, chips, candy, soda, you know, oh, I suppose I should have some milk and bread and some of those basic staples. 
It's going in there and saying, what am I going to eat this week? Is it going to provide me with the nutrition I need? And is it going to help me live a healthier, more fulfilling life? And thinking about that before you go to the store and kind of making a list. I found myself last night going to the fridge. Um, you know, it was it was late. You know, it was it had been several hours since dinner and I was hungry and I realized I didn't have any snacks. So what kind of snacks should adults <laughs> have in their house? <laughs> Do you, like all adults or me personally, because uh. I have chocolate in the house. <laughs> <laughs> if I had chips, I probably would have eaten some chips. If I had cheese, I probably would have eaten some cheese. Is there what? what what, what's, what's a healthy way to snack, especially at night when you shouldn't be eating anyway? Because <laughs> that's when you get hungry. <laughs> that's so true, though. Like last night, I was, I was in the same boat because it was late. I was answering some emails. And I was like, I'm hungry. I wasn't really hungry. I was more like, I'm bored and don't want to be answering these emails. Can I, can I munch on something while I'm answering emails? I did the bad thing. And I went and went to, went to the stock of candy and candy, which is not, just not what you should be doing. What, you should, what I should have done was gone to the fridge and I have baby carrots that are, I don't have to prepare them. If I'm going to snack, I try and I try and choose foods that I, take minimal preparation because let's be real. When you're snacking, you're just going to grab something that's easy and you don't want to sit here and cut up an apple or prepare some food, something. So I like to have baby carrots on hand. I like to have grapes on hand. I like to have little cups of uh, natural applesauce on hand that I can just maybe sprinkle some cinnamon in. Uh, And I like to have like yogurt on hand, once again, that I can sprinkle some cinnamon into. So those are things, just making it easy to snack on those things and then putting those things out. A lot of the time, if I know I'm struggling, I will wash the grapes in the morning and just set them out on the counter so that when I wander into the kitchen, what I'm seeing is the grapes and the chocolate is put away in the, in the cupboard where I can't see it. And what I'm seeing are the grapes. And so I just grab the grapes and come back in. And it takes some planning to do this. And, and that's, the, that's what it comes down to. Like eating healthy for the most part requires planning. Yeah, I think, you know, what I'm getting from, you know, what you're saying is that it's when when it's time to snack, when you need something, whatever's easy and whatever's available is going to be, uh, you know, the the first target. So if, you, if we can make what's easy and available things that are healthier, um, then yeah, then maybe uh, you know, we ha- we'll have less of a chance of doing something that's going to be less healthful in the end, like maybe having. I don't know, dried fruit as a snack around or trail mix um, that's not too salty. Um, stuff like that, just have it around so that when you need to snack, you have something that is not going to, uh, you know, um, be unhealthy. Right, or as unhealthy. Like trail mix is the worst for me because I always buy the trail mix, you know, with the M&Ms. Ah, uh, <laughs> but you have to buy the healthy trail mix. That's right. Guess what I eat out of my trail mix? <laughs> I don't eat the other stuff, the, the dried fruit, the, the nuts. No, I don't eat that. I pick out the M&Ms. But yeah, I think part of it too is just like I was talking about, you know, I'm going to pick out the M&Ms and the trail mix. And like what you said was don't buy that trail mix then. Mm-hmm. And it does. It requires you going to the store when you're not hel- when you're not hungry and when you're not tired. Because those are the times when you make poor decisions and when you're more likely to get comfort type foods or unhealthy type crappy foods. And that's just the way it is. 
And so when I go, if I go to the store and I'm buying stuff, I'm like, I, I make sure I go after I've had food. So I'm not hungry. And I try and go at a time when I'm not rushed, when I'm not anxious and when I'm not tired, which is, can be hard sometimes, mm-hmm. right? If you have a busy life, you're like, when am I not all of those things all at once? Right. And sometimes for me, that means like, you know, eating a banana and leaving the house at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> so I, I eat a banana and then I leave the house at 10 o'clock at night and then I can go to the store when I'm not feeling like I have other things to do and I'm not super, super tired and I'm not just freaking out about what needs to be done. For me, I always have other things to do. So it's it's just an issue. I, I don't like going to the store. I don't like spending time yeah. walking around aisle to aisle. It seems like a waste of time to me. I think one of the, if, if you're like me, then a real benefit you know, to, to handle this is to set up, uh, regular delivery orders, um, and just have the groceries delivered. Uh, You'll pay a little more for it, but you'll find that if you do it right and you you do your planning, you spend less money because you don't have to, you don't have this feeling of hunger that, that changes your shopping behavior. Um, you just have these regular deliveries of, you know, the things that you know that you need at certain times, um, and you know, Amazon is supposedly good for that. I haven't used it. I use fresh direct. Of course I have, I also use blue apron where I have meals delivered to me. So that's, that's another thing as well. I think we'll get into that in a little bit for people like me who don't really have the time or the desire to go shopping so much. And I'll do it on occasion when I know I need to pick one thing out that may not have been on my list. Uh, you know, I'll go and I'll have that specifically in mind and I'll try not to get distracted by other things, uh, which I do, which I don't. And so I don't like doing it. But, you know, just having these deliveries, you know, do, do the shop, do your food shopping online and set up regular de- deliveries. I think that helps a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I have uh, with the local dairy, I have them. They deliver my milk, my eggs, my cheese and my bread as needed. So I have a standing order of things. I know, I, I know I'm going to need a loaf of bread each week for my son's sandwiches for lunch. I know I'm going to need, you know, these many half gallons and I know I'm going to need this much eggs. And now I have that. And then every couple of weeks I check in and do I need to add butter to my order? Do I need to add cheese to my order? Do I need to add, they even have cereal. <laughs> do I need to add, you know, oatmeal to my order? I like this idea of going through and having those things. The only thing is, is I don't, have in my area the option to have fresh produce delivered to my door. So I do have to go to the store for that. But if I can, if I can get everything else delivered and all I have to do is go to the produce section and I'm not wandering all over the store, if all I have to do is go to the produce section and maybe run to the snack aisle for something, that does cut down on the time and it does help me stay focused. Yeah. Another thing just for battling hunger, um, is, uh, to drink more water. And I've started doing that as well. I think, uh, a a lot of the times we feel hungry, but we're not necessarily hungry. Actually, we're just, we just dehydrated or we just need some more water. That's one big key to just living a healthier life. Uh, not only just, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, but from, you know, a weight standpoint, from, uh, you know, making sure our body works the way it's supposed to work. It needs to be hydrated. Right. And I think people are like, oh, well, if I'm just drinking whatever, it's fine. But it's really not. There are a lot of things that when you're drinking actually dehydrate you more, especially like alcohol. 
And there are lots of things that just add sugar to your, your diet. Uh, they were, you know, I mean, just think about it. if you have one can of soda a day, that's between 150 and 200 calories. And how many of us, you know, how many people really are only having 12 ounces of soda a day? Mm. But, <laughs> and, and that's one of the biggest things you can do is just cut the soda and drink more water. And I love, I love water. I love cold water. I'm always drinking ice water. It's, I've got a big thermos of it because it's my favorite thing. Yeah. I cut soda pretty much completely out of my, uh, diet years ago. And, uh, that's when I started actually losing some weight and getting healthier. And, and I think the two are, are closely tied together. Uh, I'm sure there were, there were other things that I was doing at the same time, but I think the biggest, the biggest effect was the removal of the soda. Um, I'm still not, you know, I, I, this, from this past summer, I started getting the habit of drinking more Gatorade, um, which has a lot of, uh, so much sugar. Yeah. It's, it's not as, not as bad as soda. I don't think, but it's, you know, uh, as long as you keep water in there quite a bit in moderation, like we were talking before. Uh, you know, the occasional Gatorade or occasional soda probably isn't such a big deal. Yeah, I probably have soda maybe twice a month because I, I do like it. And then when I travel, I tend to have soda more than I should when I travel just because you're like, oh, I'm out of I'm out of schedule. I'm doing something different and fun. So I do tend to have more soda. But one of the things that a lot of people say, I don't mind just having plain ice water, but a lot of people I know are like, I can't deal. It's so boring. And so, right? A lot of people are like, water is so boring. So one of the things you can do, and one of the things that I like to do sometimes is put stuff in it. Like I like to put in lime or I squeeze in some lemon juice or even some orange, just a little orange. Um, You can also crush some watermelon to put in there or some cucumber. I was really surprised at cucumber water and how much I liked it and how refreshing it is. Mm -hmm. You can put strawberries in, you can put in, you can just crush up some mint and put it in. And so these are things that you can add to your water that won't make it unhealthy, but still kind of make it a variety. So we've got, we've talked about some of this stuff. We've talked about, let's try not to be, have too many snacks. Let's try and drink more water. But I think one of the things that we're missing out on is the American way is bigger is better, (laughs) right? Are you talking about portion size? I am talking about portion size because we're talking about, oh, well, you know, snack on this healthy stuff, you know, drink some water. But is it really going to help you that much when you're eating, when you're like, yeah, I'm going to have some ice cream and you're like eating like half the tub. Mm. Is that really, is that really going to help you out? I think that's something you have to think about is, is what is your portion control? And you might be surprised at how much you're eating. Yeah, I know a friend of mine is on one of these uh, diet plans that you can order and they send you DVDs and different things. This one happens to send portion containers. So it'll tell you that, you know, for each type of food, like either starch or or um, or protein, you know, whatever you eat for a meal has to fit in this container. And that's how they, I guess, by volume is how they measure portion size. But I, I don't know that that's, you know, unless unless you're on this plan and you have these containers, whether that really works for you. So how, how do you know what the real portion is? And that's really hard to tell. So this plan, I'm assuming it's the 21 day fix. Yes, that's right. Is, <laughs> okay. Cause I've seen it. Um, but yeah, so you get the portion containers and that's a nice visual way to do it. And it's an easy way for people to do it. But another thing you can do is get a food scale. My ex-husband bought a food scale 
and just kept it in the kitchen because when he was ready to lose weight and get healthier and he knew about portions, you know, how size, how big is, how big is this? And he weighed it by ounces. Cause you can look and see on the package. If you look at the package, your labeling, your nutritional label, it'll tell you how many ounces a portion size is. And so he used to just use his food scale to measure it out. So that's an easy way to do it. You can get food scales, pretty decent ones for less than 30 bucks on Amazon. So that's something you can do is do the food scale. And another thing is to sort of try and eyeball it a little bit. Uh, You know, they have those guides where you can look and say, oh, well, you know, you make a fist and that's about a cup, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can kind of go from there and sort of eyeball it if you're out. And uh, one of the things that is really interesting that I found out recently is that, and even when you think about it, it makes sense, but it's actually, you're actually probably going to eat more calories if you go to a sit down restaurant and have like the regular meal than if you go to a fast food place, right? <laughs> it's right. it's kind of weird, but if you go, and, and I see it in my own life, because when I go to a fast food place, which does not happen very often, but when I do, I get the kid's meal. I get the kid's meal and it's like a little burger and it's a little bit of fries and it's a little drink. And I usually, and, and so it usually ends up being, uh, six or 700 calories when I do the kid's meal. But if you go to a sit down restaurant and you're like, I'm going to have an appetizer, I'm going to have their entree and their entree of course comes with little sides. Mm-hmm. By the time you eat all of that, you're looking at two or 3000 calories and <laughs> it's a little bit scary. Yeah, definitely. Especially, and then when you start thinking of portion control, because I mean, I get the kid sized menu when I go anywhere because I'm, or I get like the half portion or whatever, because that's an actual real portion of food that you should be eating. When you get like the regular portion, it's huge. It's two or three times the size of the portion size. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I used to see going out as my opportunity to get a good meal uh, because I wasn't doing cooking. I wasn't cooking at home. Um, And so I think, you know, I would I would be a victim of this. I would go out and I would enjoy what I could and, of course, take the rest home for for leftovers and have for another meal, Uh, because usually I, you know, on some days I could eat the whole restaurant meal on other days. No. Uh, so I end up with, uh, with leftovers. But now, now that I've changed my behavior at home in terms of cooking, I find myself being less satisfied by the quality of meals in restaurants. Um, and that's probably a good thing, you know, or, or maybe just overall restaurants are just reducing their quality. And maybe I'm noticing that, or maybe it's the fact that I am having better meals at home and, and just less impressed by, by restaurant meals. Right. (laughs) And that's a good point too, is, you know, and I still like going out to eat in nice restaurants. I enjoy that. And I think that's part of the fun experience. But at the same time, uh, like you said, I'm kind of, picky because because it's like, well, if I'm going to go out and pay for this meal and have all these calories and then pay the money for it, it needs to be better than something I can make at home. Sure. And so, so I've started kind of shifting that and now I don't, maybe I go out to eat two or three times a month where in the past I used to go out to eat once or twice a week, sometimes three times a week. 
So for me, the thing that has really saved me has been Blue Apron. Um, you know, I've been, uh, yes. for the last few months, I've been getting meals delivered. Um, and the way this works is they, they don't deliver the meals. They deliver the ingredients and a recipe. So you have everything you need right there in front of you instead of having to shop for all the ingredients. Everything is fresh. Everything is high quality, at least as far as I can tell. And uh, then they leave it up to you to follow the recipes and, and put the meals together. I live by myself. I'm a single guy. And I have the three-meal-a-plan week, which is supposed to give you two portions for every meal. And most of the time, I can stretch each meal into two portions. Some of it's a little difficult, um, especially <laughs> the, the, the fish dishes tend to be a little lighter. So I'll usually end up eating more than one portion for a meal, and then I'll have a smaller bit left over. But most of the time, I am able to stretch it. Um, and for those times that I can't, I'll, then I'll supplement what the meal is uh, through, you know, adding fruit or adding a salad or something like that. Yeah. And I use Blue Apron as well, as you know. <laughs> so, uh, but there are two of us, there's me and my son, and I get the four person meal plan where they send two meals a week, no, four meals a week for four people, uh, something like that. Yes. Four meals a week for four people, because sometimes I have like my parents come over for dinner or my cousin comes over for dinner. So sometimes I have people come over for dinner. So I like to have extra, you know, food so that I can make this bigger meal if I need to. And then once again, I have the leftovers. Uh, one thing that I've noticed though, is sometimes, uh, there's just too much or I'm out of town or I forget to cancel a delivery cause you can cancel a delivery, which is nice. Sometimes I forget to cancel a delivery. So then I freeze the meat. And then like you said, uh, you do have to supplement sometimes by getting fresh produce or extra salad or something like that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some things that we can do right now to, to improve our health and to start eating like an adult. Right. So the first thing to do is go through your kitchen, go through your fridge, go through your cupboards, get rid of the worst offenders. And that's hard to do. And it was hard for me to do because you're sitting here with a pile of junk food and you're going, but it's such a waste. I spent money on this. We're starting something new here. And, you know, if it really makes you sad, take it to the food bank <laughs> so that they can eat your crappy food. <laughs> right. I know that's terrible. It's a terrible suggestion. But no, get rid of the worst offenders. Don't sit here and say, well, I'm going to wait until it's all gone. No, 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 no. Just get rid of it. Go cold turkey. Get rid of the worst offenders because you just want to have that out of the house so you're not tempted to eat it. Okay. And then another thing that uh, I like to do and something that we've touched on is start small with simple meals that are easy and fast to make. Making the transition to making the transition from eating out more or just getting a bunch of processed food that's easy to make and you know you just throw it in the microwave. Making that transition is difficult, so you want to start small and simple. You know, start learning how to cook whole wheat pasta, start learning how to, you know, bake, bake fish in the oven. It's not very difficult. It doesn't take very long. Yeah. And take it from me. It's just, I've always put this off, but it's, it's, it's not hard at all. It's very easy. Cooking is there's, there's no magic behind it. Um, especially for the simpler stuff. I mean, it's just, 
you, you start to learn these basics about how you cook certain things and then and then you can really do everything and be a little creative about it too it's really you know for a creative person like myself you know i don't know why i've avoided this so much um you know i'm creative in other areas of my life I, it doesn't take much to be creative in the kitchen you just learn a few basic rules and and you know you can do anything really yeah and then finally look for healthy things that you enjoy eating to make the transition easier. So people are always like, Oh, you've got to have green tea. I don't like green tea. I think it's gross, but there are other things that I like that are just as healthy. Well, not just as healthy, but healthy enough that I like to eat or, you know, look for things that you enjoy eating. Lots of people are like, Ooh, avocados are the best. I think they're okay. I don't want to, so, but look for healthy things that you like eating. Okay. I like mandarin oranges. I like baby carrots. I like, I like snow peas. So look for things you like eating, find healthy things you enjoy and start with those things. You don't need to jump to whatever superfood is the trend of the week. If you don't like it. What I find is that tastes change over time. So what you might not like at one time in your life, you might end up liking later on. So it never hurts to give things a try, um, experiment and, uh, see, see what works for you. You may have dismissed a certain type of food your entire life, but mm, try it, you know, one week you like it. And suddenly it's something that adds flavor, adds diversity into your meals. So here's a, here's a question um, from listener. So how how do you do all of this? How do you eat healthy when you don't have time? And you know, I think this is something that uh, when when life is so pressure and we are you know when money is an issue and when time is an issue and when other responsibilities are taking your time, that's when you end up eating unhealthy and, and turning to say fast food instead of meal preparation. Um, and, you know, people will often say, well, just don't buy the fast food and learn how to meal plan. But how how can you make that shift when you don't have time or, or money? Right. So one of the things that I mean, we talked about the meal planning and I hate meal planning. So this is not something I like to do. Uh, and why I, I like Blue Apron is because Blue Apron does the meal planning for me and then ships me the ingredients I need. So. That's one thing because meal planning does help you look ahead and figure out what you're going to eat rather than having to scramble for it. But if you don't feel like you have time to do the meal planning every week, one of the things you can do is schedule time to do the meal planning like on a Saturday, like block out a Saturday and just say, this is meal planning day. And one of the things you can do is actually cook ahead and freeze meals. There are some great resources to help you do that. Uh, Our friend, Erin Chase, she runs $5 Dinners, and $5 Dinners is a great meal planning service uh, and can help you put together a list. But it also, she also has a thing on making frozen meals. So you can do that. And then Lauren Groitman from I Am That Lady just started her Aldi frozen meals. So these are inexpensive because they're made using Aldi. And so these are very inexpensive. And you can do this on a Saturday. You can get everything you need for two weeks to a month just by freezing ahead on a Saturday. So if you can block out one Saturday a month, then that'll help you kind of find that time and you freeze these meals and then all you have to do is pull them out and reheat them. And it's really easy. That that does require some freezer storage space, which if you're already constricted on money and time, perhaps you don't have such a huge place that you can afford a freezer in the garage. 
to hold a week's or a month's worth of meals for a family. I think that's another issue that people run into that prevents them from doing something like this. Uh, Well, so interestingly enough, (laughs) the frozen meals don't take up as much space as you think. Uh, I can actually fit in my, I just have a like freezer on top of my fridge, right? Just one of those regular refrigerators with a freezer on the top. And if you clear out all of the unhealthy crap that's sitting there in your freezer, instead of having big cartons of ice cream, I just get small pints of ice cream and put them in the door so that they're out of my way. But I can fit two weeks worth of frozen meals in my regular refrigerator with a freezer on top, just because I cleared out all of the crap that was, and and that's the other thing. This, This goes back to going through your fridge, your kitchen and clearing stuff out. Like I had stuff, you know, the last time I cleaned out my, well, two years ago when I cleaned out my freezer before moving across the country, um, I had stuff in there that had been sitting there for three years. Like how much stuff is taken up in your freezer? So, so it doesn't take us up as much room as you think, but you know, you, you can make a little room even just to put in two weeks worth. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it all depends on a lot of factors. I think, right. you know, the apartments that I live in, I know that there are families of four living in similar apartment sizes and the only fridge that can fit in these apartments is not a full size fridge. I mean, this is Mm. a pretty small fridge and it's got a pretty small freezer and I, and I I just can't imagine freezing, you know, even if they're compressed or, or airtight or whatever it is, I can't imagine, you know, a a week's worth of meals for a family of four in this particular situation. Uh, But you know, your mileage may vary and I think it's a great idea to, to at least do, do this a little bit. I think it'll certainly help, um, you know, to the extent that you can in terms of space. Right. Yeah. And then once again, I mean, I do like Aaron's $5 dinners because that is inexpensive and you don't have to take up your freezer space. You just, right. and you get a list that'll help you with your meal planning. So that kind of takes some of the time down. If somebody else is doing the meal planning for you, that can do a whole lot in terms of just freeing up some of that time. And how about leftovers? Yay. That's what I do. Half of my meals are leftovers from previous days. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Because it's just my son and I. And so my son, it's just my son and me. And so we just have leftovers a lot. And that way we don't have to cook every day, which is really nice. And then another thing I like is the slow cooker, uh, because slow cooker meals are really easy to prepare. A lot of the time it's just throwing things into your crock pot and you throw it in. And I actually do it the night before. If, if I'm slow, doing the slow cooker, I throw everything into the crock pot the night before because they usually have these inserts that you can take out. Mm-hmm. So I put everything into the insert. I take it out. I put it in the fridge overnight. And then in the morning when I get up, I go put it in. I turn it on for eight hours and then it's ready to go at dinner time. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I have one. And I need to use it more often. Yeah, they've got whole they've got whole books just full of slow cooker recipes. Super fantastic. Great. All right. Well, I think that's it for today. Thank you for joining us this week on Adulting. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.